Welcome to the Perimenopausal Mamas Podcast for hormonal mamas who want to reclaim their own natural state of health to thrive and raise healthy kids. I'm Dr. Lisa Weeks, naturopathic doctor in Toronto, Canada. I'm a perimenopausal mama to my toddler named Stuart. And I'm Dr. Tony Reed. I'm a naturopathic doctor, birth doula, and hypnobirthing educator in Calgary, Alberta. And I'm a perimenopausal mama to my little girl, Frankie. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not meant to substitute professional medical advice. Always consult with your licensed healthcare provider. Welcome back, everyone, to the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast. I have a guest today, a special guest, Trish Krause. Welcome, Trish. Hi, Lisa. So great to be here. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> We're going to be talking today about yoga and the beneficial effects on the brain, cortisol levels, glucose levels, and more. But first, I'll introduce Trish. Trish is an amazing woman. She's done so much in her career, and she continues to keep adding to her skills. So I'm going to let you know a little bit about her, and then we'll jump into the topic for today. So Trish Krause is the founder of Bite Out of Life Wellness, a trusted source for evidence-informed health and lifestyle information and practical strategies for change. As a habit-based transformational mentor and coach with a specialty in nutrition, hormone health, and insomnia relief, she enables busy professionals, particularly women in the prime of life, to overcome the overwhelm and progress towards a life of calm and courage by recognizing and reclaiming their wild and making their own health and lives a priority, one step at a time. Trish is also a certified holistic nutritionist and firmly believes food forms the foundation of health. She is also a certified yoga teacher and encourages the inclusion of a variety of yogic principles and practices to support the brain and body and enhance your health. Trish lives in Kingston, Ontario with her partner and their two retired racing greyhounds, a late in life runner, yogi, piano student, author and community creator. She believes in the power of reinvention at any stage or age of life and tries to be guided by the poet Mary Oliver's beautiful question. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Trish educates and coaches individually and through her group health program, The Wild Collective. She works locally and virtually, serving clients across Canada. She can be reached at trish at biteoutoflife.ca. So welcome again, Trish. You've been a busy lady. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, you know, I do believe very strongly in you can reinvent yourself anytime. Um, my mom was a real uh, role model for me with that. She was a children's author and had her first book published at the age of 87. So I can Why never say that? never on this. So yeah, I, I, I really believe that women can, can be whoever they want whenever they want. Amazing. Yeah, it's never too late. You've started some different, you know, running, yoga, mm -hmm. playing piano later in life, being an author yourself and community creator. So um, that's so inspiring for our listeners to hear. It's never, you know, too late. And you're still young, but you know, you're fitting, you're fitting a lot in. Um, yeah, so well, I'm still young, but I, you know, I have <laughs> passed through the perimenopause. I am menopausal now. And uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, I may be a, a little beyond where some of your your listeners are, and that's okay. Hopefully, I can give them the benefit of what I've learned. Definitely. And did you want to share a bit about your perimenopause journey? Yeah, so it was rocky. Um, and it was rocky because I didn't really know what to expect. And I I didn't really have a clue whether any of this was natural or not natural. My mom um, went through it differently. She had an artificial menopause because she had surgery when she was much younger. And so she really didn't have any wisdom to share on that. And I think when I started this, like, you know, many years ago, um, we didn't really talk in the same way, like, like menopause and perimenopause are having a moment right now. And I think that's fantastic. (laughs) Um, but it wasn't like that, you know, a decade ago. So, uh, I really got into much more of a negative state and I really bought into a lot of those myths at the time that when you hit this time of life, all of a sudden, like, what are you good for? You're kind of old, you're dried up, you're not as beautiful, you're not as capable, you're not as strong. You have to put up with like all that weight gain and, you know, the hot flashes are just going to like paralyze you. And it, you know, I just bought into all of that. Now, that I know better and I know more and I, you know, I'm a hundred percent convinced that that's certainly not true. Um, I really would like to see us as a society, make some changes about how we perceive menopause. And, you know, that's really the best way to start to try and uh, get rid of the old wives tales, the old fairy tales, the patriarchal society structures that like put us in these boxes and, reframe the idea of what this time of life can be that we can be vital and energetic and we can be calm and we can be introspective and it's a time for fulsome creativity and once women know this i think the symptoms and things that they may feel or they may not feel become a lot less onerous right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's very powerful to look at yeah there are changes happening in your mm-hmm. body that you may or may not mm-hmm. you know might not be right in your face but it's also in a time of empowerment and mm-hmm. growth time for more focus on yourself that's so inspiring to hear that i'm sure for our listeners mm-hmm. it really so, was my my journey was really a catalyst for me to dig in deeper and to figure out what are all the things that can help and certainly you know as you mentioned in my bio i you know, I I start with food because, you know, I'm a trained nutritionist, but there's so much more. And you know mm-hmm. that as well, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And just so our listeners know, have the perimenopausal symptoms like you're in menopause now, but how long did they last for you? I know everybody's different. And are they yeah. are they gone now? <laughs> yeah, I would say by and large, they are gone. Every once in a while, if I allow myself to get out of control and uh, don't sleep well, sleep is kind of my superpower. It's kind of the thing that like keeps me on the straight and narrow about all things. And if I allow myself to get overtired or completely out of control with that, then every once in a while, I'll have myself a little hot flash. But I I suffered for about, um, I would say, seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, started in um, late 40s and went uh, through till I was 56. Um, And during that time, one of the things that did start to help and show me that I could feel better was uh, when I took up yoga. Uh, Yoga Mm -hmm. and running were both, um, they were both on the the 
table for me. And I didn't do it specifically to address the symptoms, but I did it and the symptoms definitely got better. Amazing. So yeah, you are a yoga teacher, you went through Mm -hmm. the yoga training. So can you share some of the health benefits for yoga in general, and then you know how it applies to perimenopausal symptoms in women? Yeah, so I'm, I'm fascinated by, you know, the whole idea of uh, yoga, which is like millennial old, right? Um, But there has been quite a bit of research about how does it actually impact the body and not only from a hormonal point of view, but also the promising impact that it's had on the brain. And when you look at parts of the brain that relate to some of the things that we go through in the perimenopause and menopause area, we want to look at sort of four areas of the brain. So the amygdala, which is all about emotions. So the idea of being sad or fearful or feeling aggression, you know, we all talk about the meno rage that comes out, right? (laughs) So and the anger that happens there. So the, the amygdala, it's important to look at that area. The hippocampus, which is sort of our memory encoding and consolidation. So when people, you know, when women say, I can't remember anything, or I have brain fog, or I walk into a room, and I don't know what's going on, you know, looking at how do we help the hippocampus. Then, of course, it's our prefrontal cortex, which is the executive function and the decision making area. And that's where we, you know, ensure that we have our confidence, our confidence and our certainty in the things that we're doing. And I hear a lot of times and I felt it myself that my confidence had suffered greatly as I was going through the early parts of perimenopause and menopause. I didn't really know who I was anymore. And I, I second guessed myself a lot. And that's, you know, when the prefrontal cortex isn't um, supported. And finally, the, the, the fourth area that was new to me, and I didn't hear very much about it until, you know, I, I started to dig in, is the cingulate cortex, which is really the interface that happens between decision making and emotional regulation. So again, when we're a little bit afraid to make decisions, or we feel like we're second guessing and making the wrong decisions. And then emotionally, we kind of get out of line with, oh my gosh, I made the wrong decision. And how could I have done that? And I'm so, I'm so stupid. So that comes from imbalances or um, issues around the cingulate cortex. So those are the, oh, I haven't brain. heard of that one either. Yeah, yeah I know. No. It, was, it was new to me as well. And, you know, I, uh, the more I read about it, the more I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. The connection between, you know, sort of our business brain and our emotional brain sort of thing. So, and, you know, if they, if we're not, if we're not um, connected properly through there, then, you know, there are, we're, we're going to have, we're going to have some concerns, right? So mm-hmm. really, when you think about the benefits of yoga on the brain, um, there's sort of three parts of yoga that I'd say, Lisa, there's the whole breathing part. So the pranayama. There's the postures and some of the postures are the asanas that you can do really address certain symptoms and certain hormones that, you know, um, uh, are catalysts to those symptoms. And then the third thing is really the meditative mindset. And we know sometimes that if you change your mindset, you're able to change the outcome of how you're feeling. And so those three parts of yoga, while they're interconnected, they're also a bit separate as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do mo- so most practices, like as far as I know, incorporate these three to different kind of extents and levels and intensities. Yeah, that's, that is true. And I think, um, you know, we sometimes forget that yoga is not really about, you know, it's not really the commercial Lululemon kind of yoga. That's, that's one type of yoga. And it's really opened the mainstream and kind of brought yoga to the masses per se. But really yoga starts on the mat mat with breath. And it's all about our breath. And as you're well aware, breath really has a lot to do with helping us to regulate that important um, hormone of cortisol. And which is all about stress. And uh, when I, you know, when I started to look at yoga, and as I mentioned, sleep is kind of my superpower. And the reason I couldn't sleep was because I had squirrel brain or monkey brain or whatever it is we want to call it, where we couldn't, where I couldn't relax and I couldn't let go of the stresses of the day. And so that all sort of cycloned into, you know, like the crazy hormonal storm that I had then. And when I was finally able to start using my breath to relax and calm and get that cortisol more um, willing to come to a uh, to a level that was healthier, that's when I was more able to um Look at life, uh, I would say, more realistically. And things were not black and white. They were not all or nothing. They were not everything is horrible or everything is wonderful. It was much more even keeled and much more calm. Um, and it's really pranayama or that that breath work that calms the parasympathetic nervous system that you know helps us support our vagus nerve that goes into the parts of the brain around the amygdala that, you know, helps us with our managing of fear and managing of aggression and managing of like anger and things that, that really give us, uh, I guess the, the foundation to move forward. Mm -hmm. So powerful. And not a lot of people realize that it can be simple, right? It's simple, but effective. And it's, it's something we can all do and we all have access to, and it doesn't have to take a long time, right? If you're doing it in the most effective way for yourself in that moment, it could be a matter of mere minutes, right? Yeah, yeah, it's true, you know, and, and, uh, you know, that uh, people always say to me, Oh, I don't have time for yoga. And I'm like, look, um, you know, research tells us that consistency in practice is a lot more important and a lot more effective than how long you actually spend doing it. So as you said, like five minutes of good yogic breathing, some calm yogic breathing, um, it, it, if you do it every day, you don't have to spend an hour on the mat. You don't. If you know you have access to five minutes at any time to stop, to breathe, to listen, and to breathe again, and that that can calm things very quickly. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we try to reframe here on the podcast, like when people want to move their body or, you know, exercise, it's like, yeah, we had this idea, it had to be this huge chunk of time, but we like to call them like movement snacks or now yoga snacks, oh, yeah. like little bits here and there, right? Really reset your nervous system. So I love that, that um, breathing, the pranayamas, pranayamas, yeah. <laughs> twister, um, yeah. lower the cortisol and influence the amygdala. Is there a certain style of breath for that or... Like there's all, there's many, or, yeah, yeah. Th- yeah, there's many kinds of, of, uh, you know, there's a lot of different breath work and, you know, one of them that's very, um, easy for people to visualize and to start. Sometimes they call it the square. So you inhale, drawing one side of the square, you hold going across the top of the square, you exhale going down the other side of the square, and then you hold going across the bottom. So you're visualizing while you're breathing at the same time. These do not have to be deep breaths. This can be just normal breathing, like in for two, hold for two, down for two, hold for two. So it's very simple stuff. There's many other breathing techniques, but you know, that's super, super accessible for everybody. You can do it when you're on the subway. You can do it when you're waiting for your kid to come out of school to pick them up at the end of the day. You can do it while you're standing in the grocery line. I mean, it, there's lots of places that you can do this for like two minutes. And it has an, a powerful and a positive impact. These kinds of breath um, uh breath exercises will help to alter your brainwave patterns. And if you increase the alpha patterns in your brain, those are the ones that are associated with relaxation. So if people have trouble sleeping, if women are having trouble shutting their brains down, even five minutes of this kind of breathing at night can help lying in bed. It's pretty simple to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great return on investment because a lot of people are like, oh, it's the last thing I want to do is to have to do something else, but mm-hmm. it really resets your system mm-hmm. and you're going to get a better sleep. I think so many of the women listening do struggle from that yeah. monkey mind, you know, oh, gosh. the brain that just won't shut off. So that five minutes can can make a world of difference. So yeah. I love that. Yeah, that influences the cortisol and the amygdala. How, mm-hmm. how else does yoga influence the brain and our health? Yeah, so there's a couple of really cool things that happen. So even though we know that serotonin is also made in the gut, um, it still can be increased in the brain um, through yoga and through some of the asanas that we do and also the yogic breathing. And, you know, serotonin does have an impact on depression. And we do know that we need good digestion in order to, you know, assist with that as well. But serotonin, we've seen that in many research studies that it will increase. The other thing that um, it doesn't get talked about as much is um, a protein that is called BDNF, which is brain-derived neurotropic factor. And this is kind of exciting. I also had not heard about this until, you know, just in the last year or so. So this protein is responsible for neuron health and for neuroplasticity. So when you are able to boost levels, it's not only good for depression and for moodiness, but also for chronic pain. So women who may be suffering from things like fibromyalgia or for other joint issues as we age, being able to boost this BDNF through 
some work on the mat can really make a difference in healthy and vital aging and moving through those menopausal um, life cycle. Amazing. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I didn't realize it also influenced pain. I was thinking more yes. kind of like brain health and mm-hmm. yeah, mood, but all that's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And are there certain like types of movements or exercise, or we can get that to that at the end if you want, but to increase the BDNF, or is it any sort of consistent yoga practice with breath, movement, meditation, one or all three? Yeah. So what you really want to look at for, um, you know, all, I love all yoga and there's so many different kinds of yoga for so many different reasons. You know, whether you, whether it's Hatha or Ashtanga or Flow or Nidra or Restorative Yin, like there's, there's a zillion different kinds. Not all of them are going to suit everybody and not all of them are going to suit every reason for you doing it. If we're looking at what do women need as they're moving through perimenopause and menopause, they really need things like rest and relaxation, some adrenal support. They need to focus on a bit of sleep. They need to work on that perhaps meno rage that I said and tension release and maybe some pelvic floor strengthening and, you know, some of these dynamic techniques for aging. And many of those come through types of yoga that are related to hatha positions, restorative yoga that, you know, um, uh, that uses a lot of props, whether they are blocks or blankets or bolsters to try and hold the body in place. So you're not holding it in a tension filled atmosphere. And then of course, yoga nidra, which is a specific type of yoga to take you into sleep. So, you know, those are things that I, uh, you know, I encourage women that I work with to, to do leave the, you know, Ashtanga, leave the flow, leave the yin yoga, even, which is all about holding poses for a very long time. And it kind of, it kind of uh, heats up the body a lot. And what you want are poses that are calming and cooling postures to help calm the brain and cool the body and allow both BDNF and serotonin and GABA and, you know, the brain, the alpha brain waves to, you know, settle out. Amazing. Yeah, I I love those styles there. And I try to suit like fit my practice into how I'm feeling that day or even where I am in my menstrual cycle. Totally. Tailor it like what would you recommend kind of, you know, more for kind of PMS and then like different phases of the menstrual cycle? What what would you suggest? Yeah, so here's what I would say. Um, If people are struggling with um, hot flashes or feeling those power surges and stuff. Sometimes a gentle inversion, like a wide-legged forward bend or a child's pose or the reclining bound angle will help decrease tension in the body and will also provide blood flow, but but gentle blood flow. What you don't want is like so much blood flow to, you know, especially during the PMS cycle, you don't want so much blood flow that it, it, you know, it hyper stimulates the body. You do want that calming, cooling, gentle stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. So the rest and the calm and the area to start increasing serotonin or improving your sleep 
one of the postures that I love that's great for PMS and that's great for when you're feeling like fatigued or feeling anxious is legs up the wall. So you lie with your, your your bum close to the wall and put your legs straight up the wall. You can be supported like uh, uh, under your back with a bolster, if you like. You can cover yourself with a blanket, but just 10 minutes with your legs up the wall and you can feel pretty amazing. The same I with love that pose. Yeah, that's yeah, a great I love reset. it too. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the other one that's really great is a bridge pose, but um, it's better to use a supported bridge pose. So put some blocks or a bolster or something under your butt as you're like lifting up. Because again, what you want to do is make sure that you don't have tension, that you are able to relax in and focus on your breath, and that you've got you know, uh, uh, you've got some support there so that you're not, um, you're not using all those muscles and heating up your body, holding on to these things. Mm -hmm. Some great recommendations. And for listeners, and even for myself, I get confused Mm -hmm. between Hatha and Ashtanga. What's the difference? I guess the Ashtanga is more intense, but it is like, it's yes, breath. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, there's breath in everything, of course. um, But Ashtanga is really much more of a power yoga. So oftentimes at a yoga studio, when they're doing flow, um, you know, flow classes, those will be ashtangas. And there's lots of sun salutations and, you know, lots of those things in it. And and hatha tends to be, though not exclusively, tends to be both standing poses and on the mat poses, but they are slower and you move from pose to pose more individually rather than flowing from one to the next super quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know some of our listeners are, you know, diehard yoga fans, yogis, Um, some though, yes. you know, I hear a lot of women say, oh, I just like, it's so hard to slow down. Like, I just want to get a short, intense workout. It's like the last thing I want to do. What can we say to those women? I know they need it more than anyone, but well, I would say that there is room in our lives for both fire and both calm. So I uh, you have to you do have to tune into your your body. And there's nothing wrong with having a fiery um more intense, more active, more um uplifting uh, practice on occasion. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And if you're sailing through your perimenopause or menopause and you're feeling great and you're you're finding that you're able to control or manage or it frankly ignore some of the symptoms that others may be concerned about then by all means choose that yoga practice that is going to make you happy um but when i think about yoga and when i talk with people about yoga i always say remember that Yoga is not about what happens on the mat. It's really about the cognitive flexibility that it'll give you to react to situations and to act in the world off the mat. And for Mm -hmm. that, you need groundedness, you need centering, you need calmness. So always keep that as part of your yoga practice. So even if you have a fiery yoga practice and you know, spend 15 minutes kind of moving through a series of sun salutations because you want to get the stretch and the bend and the whatever. Take the time to center yourself at the end of it um, through breath work and through uh, shavasana or through any other kind of relaxation at the end. 
to bring yourself back to that groundedness. That's a great way to explain it. Because I remember I used to be that impatient person if I was doing Mm. online yoga and I could fast forward. I'd fast forward through a lot of the beginning breath work. I'm like, let's get to the action. That was how then I presented in the day, right? Like I was just like, go, go, go. Every second counts, can't stop. But once I started to take the time to retrain my brain and body, and it was hard. Oh yeah. um, I brought that, as you said, off the mat. I love that you described it that way, that then I brought that calm and presence and grounded into my day and I wasn't reactive I was you know yeah, um, yeah. actively you know living my life and responding not reacting yeah, um, yeah. so that's so powerful yeah it's and possible. It's, <laughs> yeah it is possible and it, it's a challenge every day as you know Lisa some some days is better than others and uh, you know some days we're able to stay in the moment better than others and you know believe that we're in the moment and you know I had a crazy thing happen just you know recently is that I had a million things on my list and I knew that I was slipping away from my focus, but it really came home to roost when I put the coffee on and I was busy making my list when I put the coffee on and I looked up all of a sudden and realized I hadn't put the cup under my Keurig machine. So I had coffee flying everywhere and it was because I wasn't focused Mm -hmm. and I wasn't in the present. And that seems a small thing, but I know you often talk about, you know, what's your mama mess up, right? And, you know, that's <laughs> that's a tiny thing for me, but that it was so powerful for me to remember, mm-hmm. oh gosh, like get back to thinking about where you are today. Yes. Yeah. That's really representative, right? And then, yeah, you see, you know, it's a mess. You have to clean it up. It takes sure. more time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've so, all been so, there where we're trying to do too much. Yeah. And oh, then I you know. just make mistakes and it's yeah, longer yeah. to clean it up, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, it comes back down to, uh, you know, the impatience is, is not being patient is going to pay off. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. So investing. Yeah. Even if it's five minutes, starting with the breath, yeah. Moving your body, trying different styles. Those are all great techniques. What is, what is your yoga practice look like? If, if, if I can ask. Oh, of course. I mean, I don't want people to think that, you know, I've uh, been a bendy yogi for like ever. This is not true at all. I tried many types of yoga for many years and never stuck with a practice because I always thought, oh, I'm not flexible enough. I can't, I'm not bendy enough. Oh, I, you know, I'm not the right shape to being a, to be a yoga person. So I tried a lot of different ones and never really stuck until I actually went through yoga teacher training and learned that you have to try a whole bunch of different types of yoga. And just because your yoga shape and your pose looks different than the teacher's doesn't mean that it's not effective and not helping you. And that was really helpful to me. So I am on the mat probably four or five times a week. And three of those times, I will either go to a studio now that we can do that again, or do online. And two, I just do my own movement. I I pick the poses I like, I pick what feels best for me. Sometimes I do 10 poses, sometimes I do four poses. And, you know, the research does tell us that as I said before, it's consistency and not length of practice. And in terms of managing stress and helping the brain, fewer poses, more breathing is going to give you more brain benefits. 
So I try and remember that when people say to me, oh, I don't have time to do it, or I, I can't keep all the poses straight. I say, pick three poses and learn them well and feel comfortable with them well, and then move on from there. And those poses might be as simple as, you know, a tree pose where you stand comfortably and, you know, tip one foot up, and then you do a gentle inversion, which is like the forward fold with hands down and breathe in. And then you might go to the floor and you might do something like either the legs up the wall or start with a bridge um, and then finish it off with Savasana. And that's Mm -hmm. a yoga practice. Amazing. And then you're holding, yeah, the poses for what feels comfortable, but I guess it could be seconds to minutes, depending Absolutely. on how you're feeling that day. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you really, you will know once you, once you listen to your breathing, you will know when you're ready to come out of a pose gently as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a challenge to stay in one pose and really focus on your breath, but then it does yeah. really ground you and get you in the moment and you're yeah. so, yeah. so present and just aware mm-hmm. of your body. And then I really love the benefits of yoga in terms of balance, right? As we get older and we lose bone density, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to have falls. So that's, you mm-hmm. know, all those poses help to increase that stability and work all those small muscles and ligaments yeah. that we might not otherwise Yeah. So it's really, it is, it's so functional. You know, when you think about it, as we age, the last thing we want is not to be able to do simple things in life, like to sit down on the toilet and to get up off the toilet. Like that's very simple, but you need a little bit of strength and balance to stay safe and to be able to do that. And, you know, yoga really does help with that. And, we don't have to make uh, make yoga a big deal. There's lots of real simple ways to do it. Chair yoga is fantastic for people who are recovering or just learning or aren't able to get up and down off the floor or just need a little bit more balance. There's a lot of really good online chair yoga um, programs now. And those are, you know, people always go, oh, chair yoga, that's not really even yoga. Oh, yes. Try a class and you will see you feel all kinds of movement and stretch and breath and whatever you can do on the floor and standing up you can do in a chair I love that. Yeah, there's so many, so many options out there. And I think mm-hmm. it's redefining why we exercise, right? I saw a good quote on social media. I don't rem- remember the exact words, but it was to the effect of, you know, we need to stop exercising to look a certain way and have the six pack pack mm-hmm. abs and fit into that size jeans. You know, we really need to embrace exercise to have mobility, strength and functionality mm-hmm. as we age, right? And this mm-hmm. is, I believe, what what yoga offers. So is there anything else we need to know about the benefits or how to start incorporating some practice? You've made, shared some great tips already. Yeah, I would just say that, you know, when we think about, I mean, there's so many things that you talk about on this great podcast with all your your guests about, you know, all the nuances of perimenopause and menopause. But I think when you really come down to it is it's the impact of how we act and react to those symptoms and through to those changes that our body is going to through. And so when you think about yoga and how it can help you act and react off the mat as well as on, it's got to be a great tool for 
changes that we go through in our life. So, you know, whether it's inflammation or whether it's fatigue or whether it's, you know, sleep or stress or mood, yoga plays an important role and it is super accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find yeah, it just really brings me back to myself, right? Being in the mm-hmm. present moment in my body, in my soul, like mm-hmm. let's stopping that mind mm-hmm. from racing and just being focused. So mm-hmm. I love that you've become a yogi. Are you doing any offering yoga classes online or in person yourself? I know you have so many other things which we'll go through that you have on offer. But yeah, I I work individually with some of my existing clients, and I fill in at various studios here in um, Kingston. I've just started to do a bit more um, uh, work in the area of chair yoga because we have a very active seniors um, organization here in uh, Kingston and they are looking for additional support there. So um, I hope by the fall I will be assisting them in that area. Uh, But I would encourage anybody that if you feel you don't have the time or you can't get out to a studio or you're just not comfortable being in that atmosphere, there's so many good options online now. Just give it a shot and 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 try a bunch of different instructors because one of them is sure to click with you. That's amazing. Do you have any favorite kind of YouTube channels or membership sites that you recommend? Or is it good for people to kind of explore on their own? I think people should explore on their own. But what I would say is one of my very favorites is uh, yoga with Adrian. Um, mm-hmm. partly because she's got a wonderful dog that participates in, <laughs> in it. Her dog Benji is there oftentimes, but she also provides a lot of different options and um that you know it's it's a good place to start and you know there's uh, you know it's it's free as well as a paid opportunity so you know i it's it's one that i turn to often um but there's there's so many out there so many mm-hmm. yeah she has so many different classes if you're in the she mood does. Or something, just search for it even for your birthday yoga or things like yeah that. totally i mean uh, you can classes, put in like yeah. 20 minutes you can put in like sleep you can put in like anything it's a you know, so, so she really is, uh, she's lovely to, to watch. Well, thank you for sharing that. And you've shared some really valuable information. I love how you laid out how yoga influences the brain in relation to cortisol, serotonin, brain derived neurotrophic factor. Hopefully I said that correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And with the hormonal shifts and how to start practicing it. So how can people follow you, connect with you and learn more from you? Yeah, so I would love to connect with anybody out there who'd like to just chat about this or who'd like to learn more or who'd like to be part of uh, my community because I do, um, I do communicate with people on a regular basis and they can certainly reach out to me. My website is biteoutoflife.ca and on there, there's an opportunity for people to let me know if they'd like to be part of my community and, um, be on my newsletter list. And, you know, I provide not only yoga tips, but other research in there. And we talk about all kinds of things about healthy aging and talk about things that uh, relate to what are you doing in the kitchen and how are we going to like make it all easier for you to change some habits to feel better. So I'd be very happy and honored if anybody wanted to like connect with me. Amazing. And then you're offering yeah, group programming, mm-hmm. one-on-one counseling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do, you know, I do have local clients here, of course, in in Kingston, but you know, the, uh, 
the pandemic changed how we look at things and um, a lot of my work is done um, virtually online now. So I welcome people from across Canada. I love that. Well, I can't wait to start doing some more yoga. I did some this morning. I want to do a few minutes later this afternoon to uh, get things uh, moving and, and just have a nice sense of calm. So thank you for that. So we'll move to the next part of the podcast. So we'll share, I'll share my super mom moment, if you could share your super aunt moment. So I can go first if you need time to think about it. But my super yeah. moment is actually, I booked an acupuncture appointment for myself. I had one on Friday afternoon. I'm having another one this coming Friday afternoon, I have some plantar fasciitis. So she did points for that. But it was great for a time to just relax, right? So I, (laughs) I'm looking at more of that self care and putting some of my health concerns on the forefront instead of like, Oh, it'll just go away. And it hasn't since the fall. So (laughs) yeah, oh, gosh, Uh, that is a plantar fasciitis. That is just so annoying and irritating, isn't it? it? is yeah granted I wasn't doing the exercises that I was supposed to because I'm like oh it'll just go away but I started doing (laughs) exercises too so putting putting myself first and my health first is is my super mom moment and Trish what's your super aunt moment yeah so we uh we're very fortunate to have had our university aged niece living with us on and off all through her four years at Queen's University and uh this past week was move out week so I spent uh, the week uh, with her trying to pack up her apartment and getting her ready to take off for her next, her phase of life. And I could feel all kinds of muscles that I forgot that I had. And so mm-hmm. I have also booked a massage for this week. But <laughs> last night, both she and I got down onto the floor and um, did some yoga moves. And uh, that was very um, helpful for me and very helpful for her. And uh, it certainly assisted in me being able to like walk up and down the stairs a little bit better today. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you have several super aunt moments <laughs> in there with the helping her move, the doing oh, the yoga, booking up a massage. So yeah. you're doing an awesome job. <laughs> um, and then I know we're doing the best we can, but we'll share our mess up. So uh, mine's not, like, it's not too bad, but we took Stuart to Wonderland yesterday. It was Seasons Past Sneak Holders Day or Sneak, mm. sneak Peek Day, I guess it's called. Oh. Um, and it was raining, but we still went and had a blast. We said, this is not going to stop us. And we went for a walk in the rain the other day. So uh, maybe that's a super mom moment. But we got him to go on the wild beast. I call it the wildebeest. Mm. Um, and he was excited. But then when he came off, he looked a little pale. So we might have, you know, <gasps> amped up going on the bigger roller coasters a bit sooner than he was ready. He's only six. But he said, Mommy, there was parts that I hated, but I liked it overall. So I was like, okay, well, that's good. And he still went on, you know, smaller rides the rest of the day. But luckily, we didn't start him on the Dragon Fire, which is the one he wanted to go on. Oh, gosh. Down. So <laughs> that might have been a, a disaster. But we said, next time, you just tell us when you're ready to go on it again. And um, so, yeah, that was a little bit of a mess up, but luckily, no puke or anything. So, <laughs> yeah, well, kudos to you, Mama. I don't think I'd be going upside down like uh <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, uh, that would be something that I don't think I could like bring myself to do. Although I suppose, um, you know, if if one of our little people decided that they needed 
that, maybe I would muster my anti-superpower <laughs> and like hop on or something. I'm not so That's sure. That's right. I know we're able to dig deep, right? When it's for, for them. And yeah. I was more worried for him. I got nervous on it because normally I like roller coasters, but I was just worried about him being scared. Yeah. So it made it, took it to a whole new level. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're doing the best we can, but what's your aunt mess up, Trish, if you can think. Yeah. Well, I would say that, you know, I, <laughs> I mentioned earlier about like not being grounded and not having myself focused enough and oh, yes, letting yes. the coffee pour all over the place. But that really, you know, um, uh, I I sometimes forget that when my brain starts to work quickly and I start to push forward, not everybody is ready to push forward as, as quickly. And I could see this week as I was like sort of barking orders about, let's just get it in the box. Let's just move it. That, you know, <laughs> my niece who was exhausted from moving and this is her first time doing a big move like this. I could see that that attitude was a little bit harsh and a little bit hard for her. And I had to take a step back and just say, I know this is tough, honey, and it's hard to say goodbye. And this is like a big step for you. So just forgive me when I get out of control. I'm just trying to get us through this. So yeah, it it wasn't my finest. I have that is for sure. But uh, okay. I know it's hard because like, yeah, sometimes we can do things yeah. quicker or in a more efficient way, but you know, know. we got to let them do it I too. Know. So I know. Mm-hmm. Well, you're still doing an amazing job. Um, and then I'd like to know what is your mama must have? What do you love? Like, what are you loving lately? Yeah. What helps you get through your day? Yeah. yeah. So uh, advice to myself and to all the mamas and every woman I work with out there is you got to put your own oxygen mask on first. And it looks different for everybody. And that's metaphorical, of course. But we have to keep reminding ourselves that self-care is not selfish. So whether that is taking a step back and going to that, you know, massage treatment, spending a few minutes on the mat, working with some essential oils, doing three yoga poses, taking a walk to decompress, putting yourself first is the only way that you're going to be able to help others. And we forget that. And I forget that. So I try and always step back and say, okay, just do it for yourself. You're not being selfish. If you just want to be by yourself for five minutes and then go back out and deal with everything else. So that's, that's what I'm doing. That's a great reminder that women, we we need to hear regularly, I think. Oh gosh, so, it's so hard to explain it. Yes. Yeah. But so important. So you gave, gave some good examples of what women can do for that too. So I love it. And my um, mama must have, well, I joined Mind Valley for one month just to check oh. it out. It's an online, like they have quests and courses. Have you heard of it? Yes. I haven't looked yes. at it though. So that's cool. Yeah. I was motivated because I'm doing a big talk. It, in front of potentially thousands of people at the Toronto Real Estate Board Conference <gasps> in May. Um, so I was like, well, they have, yeah, they have some really good speakers. There's Lisa Nichols on speaking and inspiring. And Linda Clemens has like a course, they call it a oh. quest on body language. So yes. I was like, oh, this will be good prep for me. And then I'm just getting sucked into all these other quests. Like Jim Quick has a super brain course. So <laughs> I better slow down a little bit. I got to focus on what I need to do this month. But I'm excited to check that out. So yeah, but thanks yeah. again, Trish, for sharing all of your knowledge, all of your experiences. 
We'll post your contact information in the show notes and everyone be sure to check out Trish's website. Yes, she posts great tips on how to eat well easily and just very knowledgeable and inspiring with her content. So check her out for sure. And now I'll share what else is happening. Dr. Tony has a hypnobirthing session for expecting parents looking to decrease fear and anxiety to support their natural instincts around labor and birth. She typically has them every month. So you can join her at www.hypnobirthingcalgary.com forward slash register. And I know she's doing some in person. I have a Facebook group, Wild Women Adventures Toronto. You can join that. We're going to start getting out in nature as the weather's getting better, looking at some stand up paddle boarding, etc. Um, so check that out and join that. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. You can email us or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We'd love you to subscribe, leave us a review and a five-star rating if you enjoyed this episode. And you can support us by visiting our Patreon page. Please tell your perimenopausal mama friends about us too. So stay safe and healthy, everyone. And thanks again, Trish. Thank you, Lisa. Great to talk to you. You too, take care. Bye.